I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, support the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Have WWE fixed the Alexa Bliss character? I am Luke Owen and I'm joined by El Fakador, Laurie Blake, and we're here to talk about Hell in a Cell 2021. This is the podcast review of that show, which was a show, I guess. It was... <laughs> I've already done my 10-minute review of it, and at the end of it, I was like, well... It was a pointless show where very little was actually achieved. Um, so before we get into the Alexa Bliss stuff, do you want to give some sort of overall thoughts on the show? Mania. What was the what was the point in in this show? Uh, what was the point in bringing Helena Cell forward as well? I think it's the other thing that I haven't heard many people discussing is like why did they move Helena Cell like <laughs> yeah. from October to be like we must do it now? We've got so much on, and it's like and then they put then obviously Roman ends up moving on to Friday. So this. The whole Hell of the Cell premise felt completely superfluous to what was going on here. And then, yeah, they just really crapped a bunch of the finishes up the wall for no yeah. apparent reason. And, and like, a lot of the stuff that's on this show, we're just going to get more of the same. Like, it felt like there was only one few that really had an end on here, which was Bobby mm. Drew. And even then, it didn't have, like, a definitive ending. I think it's sad as well because like the good there was good stuff in here. I think this is the thing is like there was really good wrestling on this show. Like a lot of the matches, like Cesaro Seth was great, Ko Zane was great, Drew and Lashley was wicked right until that last moment. Like there was really good stuff here, but because of the way it's packaged and the way it was presented, it's not enough. <laughs> I just didn't care enough. Like you know, like and I think that's the the other thing is like those really brilliant matches right in the middle of the card are filler. Ultimately, yeah. they're because they're there because something else moved. So it's harder even to get in, invested at that point because there is no real build going into this beyond leaning back on years and years of drama between like Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But that's like it's the equivalent of like tracksuit bottoms in terms of wrestling. It's comfy, it's comfortable. You you know what you're getting when you're wearing them. Like 
that's what you get with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But it doesn't really light me up to think like, oh, we're just going to watch that again. Uh, well, please do give this channel a subscribe if you haven't already. And also press that thumbs up button. Looking at the stats at the moment, 10% of you have pressed the thumbs up, uh, the thumbs up button that are watching. So why don't the, the other 90% of you get off your, your thumbs and, and, and press the thumbs up button? I don't want to say get off your so ass. You're going to go pull, you, pull your thumbs out of your and hey, press There the it is. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Thank you, Laurie. It's a good job you're here. Um, right, well, let's talk about Alexa Bliss. Because I... Um, so I was trying to think, like, what do we call this video? What do we what do we talk about here? And people would want to talk about the Alexa Bliss stuff. So I go, oh, cool, well, look at that. And I was like, well, can I take a new perspective on this? And then I thought, okay, the Alexa Bliss character that we've had since she uh, aligned herself with The Fiend and has now become this new spooky version of Alexa Bliss, mm. her matches have always been pre-taped ones. Like they mm -hmm. pre-taped it so that you don't do it live in front of the Thunderdome. So you can do things like lighting rigs falling from the sky or uh, as she's done on Raw a couple of times, change her costume mid-match. Like literally in the blink of an eye, change her costume into her old Alexa Bliss gear to kind of like psych out her opponent or it's the black goo or things like that, which is fine when it's in the Thunderdome and you can pre-tape a match. This pay-per-view is the last of the Thunderdome era from July onward, from Money in the Bank onward. We're back in front of fans. So WWE had to find a way to adapt the Alexa Bliss character so that it's still the same Bliss and she's still doing spooky magical nonsense, but it's stuff that they can do live in front of fans. And the way they've got around that, it appears to be, is mind control and hypnosis now i'm not saying it's good because i don't particularly like it i don't, it's not for me but i can't deny that this is the most i've enjoyed the alexa bliss character since this whole thing because at least she actually did some wrestling in this match yeah you can give her that for sure she did, she did <laughs> yeah. some wrestling i mean the rest of it was absolute, absolute gubbins wasn't it but yeah i think this is the i don't think these kind of things work without a lot of effects and a lot of production in that sense. Like these kind of spooky things just don't work in front of a live crowd. The live crowd is going to eat that alive when that happens in front of them. When people start getting hypnotized and people aren't going to be making the noise, you know, the, the brilliance of the Thunderdome is you can play whatever noise you want for the crowd. You can make them, you can tell them what to do in the, in the, little window that they're watching in and you can then also press noises to be like oh they're all they're all like whoa everyone's gonna be pissing themselves laughing when this stuff happens and wwe is going to drop it like it is hot because it is not going to get over in front of the crowd and i bet you that well yeah it also raises a lot of questions um denise pointed this out on the fightful podcast if alexa bliss can mind control people because she did in this match she mind controlled a uh, Shayna Baszler to let go of a hold that she had onto her like she failed mm. her wisdom saving throw and she had to uh, release the hold she was charmed she, <laughs> she wasn't hot. she's not she's not a half elf that's the problem well that or, or she's not a level nine monk either where she can't uh, can't be charmed or frightened and uh <laughs> but she, or maybe it's level 10 anyway um <laughs> also she mind controlled uh, Nia Jax on the outside to slap Reginald. Like, literally, like uh, Alexa raised up her hand and Nia was mirroring everything that she did, and then she slapped uh, Reginald in the face. But as Denise pointed out in the Fightful review, why didn't she just mind-control Shayna Baszler to lie on the ground so she could pin her? 
Yes, yeah. I mean, this is this is the thing. <laughs> All of these things need a bit more through. Like, there needs to be a logical through line to every decision that characters make in these in these kind of stories. And that was yeah, completely illogical to be like, I'm gonna mind. I've already mind controlled Shayna Baszler to make her drop a hold, but then obviously like Shayna Baszler broke out of the other guy. I'm like, no. Then she mind controls Jax. It's like doesn't get Jax to come in and interfere. Like you could have had she could have had Jax come in and in, like hit her as well. Hmm. Which would have then yeah. caused a DQ, and she would have like. There's, there's many, many options that Alexa Bliss could have gone with here, and yeah, I just, it doesn't make any sense to be like, okay, well, we'll just continue having a match, and then also to do all this mind control stuff as like the distraction. But while she's mind controlling Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler sneaks up behind her and puts on the Kira Fuda clutch, and Bliss just gets out of that without any magic. Like she, like yeah. Bliss just suddenly goes like, oh, MMA is it? Nah, don't need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the finish. Like it, it, it. What what is the story here? Because like for a bit the story was that Shayna Baszler is dealing out all of this damage to Bliss. She's like breaking her arm, and Bliss is just laughing it off and doing all that kind of weird contorted crawl that she was doing. And then it's about like oh, Bliss starts to ramp up the spookiness. And then yeah, at the end it's just they just flip back on to like yeah, no, actually Bliss is just a good wrestler. So there you go, that's the end. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah. Ah, the finish. Ah, the finish. <laughs> to to I, I want, I'm trying to put some positive onto this. Um, and that is like I enjoyed Alexa Bliss's like you know her actually doing some wrestling and being more physical and being more like aggressive like she was like, doing a lot more shouting a lot more violent which is why I think I enjoyed her performance more here than I did say in the Randy Orton match or any of the mm -hmm. Asuka matches or the stuff that she was doing Nick, uh, with Nikki Cross prior to that but like dude the the hypnosis stuff someone actually I've just I've just the comment that someone posted up that said even spooky bollocks needs rules like and that's yeah. the that's the thing here you need like consistency with this and i don't feel like a lot of this has consistency they also like they dropped all not dropped the lily stuff but there was no lily involvement in this match despite the fact that lily was like the key component of this feud that's why the whole thing has been built around so I, I feel like they're trying to sort of box alexa bliss into this you know a mold where they're like this is something that we can put out in front of the live crowd however as we saw at wrestlemania there is every chance that a live crowd that you cannot control, like you were saying earlier, is just going to boo this out of the building and be like, absolutely not. Mm. We don't want this. I think that's the thing is like the presentation. I think Alexa Bliss does an amazing job with the stuff that she's given. I think she she sells it really well. I think she's a really good promo. I thought like the sort of screaming bits that she did with Nia Jax, like she she made hypnosis as a concept. Like, you know, like the look at how the demon head master did hypnosis. You have to like do like flashing eyes and all that kind of stuff. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot that you have to add to it to like make it work. And I think she managed to sell it here with just like a look. And maybe the production was pretty good on the kind of cutting back and forth between Nia and then them screaming at each other and copying each other that kind of thing was quite well done i just don't think a live crowd is going to like it and i just think there needs to be more to bliss's character than just what does she want what what <laughs> like what's she trying to achieve all of this stuff um how is she going to win these matches like if she's impervious to pain why is she why is she basically then turning around and cheating to win do you know what I mean? Like, well, and this was yeah. case. This was a massive case of like too many cooks, you know, as well. Like, it was why was Nia and Reggie there? Like, the just unnecessary well, yeah. additions the to this match. Was, the whole thing we're showing at the moment is that she hates Reginald. She doesn't like. Yeah. She literally had a match with Reginald a couple of weeks ago on TV. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like them. So all of a sudden you're like, well, why? Why are they out there with you then? Like, why are you getting a promo backstage with them? Why aren't you more mad that they're at ringside? And like. 
Because time. they were props. Just, because they were props for the yeah. spookiness, Luke. That's the point, exactly. right? But then, yeah. So, the, but there's no like character in there. Then is there? No. They're literally just props on the outside. And and I, I, this boils my piss more than it probably should do. But Shayna Baszler just doing a regular entrance. Like, well, what was the point of the stuff with Lily and the mirror and all that mm -hmm. then? Because clearly that's not affected you in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> you were terrified at the time. Two weeks later, it's absolutely. It means clearly nothing to you. So what was the point of it all? And if 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 Baszler isn't selling any of that in her entrance and she isn't afraid to get in the ring with Bliss, then is Bliss a scary character to be in the ring with? Well, yeah. And then, then you've got that kind of like uh, the addition of the commentary saying like, oh, it's not affecting Bliss. And Bliss is screaming like... Yeah. As, as Shayna Baszler yeah. doing all of these moves. It is just really baffling to be like, I think horror is really hard to do in general. Like it's hard to, to beyond just going, boo, like when no one's expecting it, it's hard to make people legitimately scared or to legitimately feel like something supernatural is doing. Cause that's an extra layer of suspension of disbelief than even just watching wrestling and being like, they're actually having a fight. So WWE can barely make me believe in wrestling. How are they going to make me believe in spooky Alexa Bliss when, you know, most of it is just in full daylight crawling around on the floor. Like she was doing that, that crawl where she puts her legs over her arms and it's like, mm. yeah, cool. Neat trick. But like, doesn't look as terrifying as you think it does. Or as yeah, WWE so clearly think it's like, whoa. So kind of to answer the question that we, you know, we posed at the start of this, have WWE fixed the, the Alexa Bliss character? Spooky nonsense has always been a part of wrestling. Like, you know, Papa Shango, Taker, Kane, uh, the Boogeyman, like even like, you know, uh, Mordecai and all this stuff. Like we've always had spooky characters in wrestling. Some work, Undertaker Kane. Some don't. Pretty much everyone else. Um but like, I think that there is something in here that could work in terms of like, you know, the, the more physical side of Alexa Bliss, uh, the more aggressive side of her character. I don't know if the hypnosis stuff is going to get over with the crowd, though. Yeah, I think I think the, the most interesting thing about the Alexa Bliss character is the feeling that she might be possessed. And the few times they've done that, like she suddenly snaps back and it's like the old Alexa Bliss is like in the ring going, what the hell's going on? That's when it really works. That's when it's really interesting. And that's when you don't have to do much more than like she she can shrug off a few attacks and then she wrestles. It's the more and more stuff they're adding to it where they're like, oh, we've got all these ideas for all these spooky things that she can do. She can do hypnosis and telekinesis and blooming black goo will run down her face or whatever it is. She can throw a fireball, blah, blah. Like when you add more and more and more and more to it, that's when it goes too far. And I think stripping it right back into just like the thing that will work in front of a crowd, I think, is this idea that she's possessed. And then there's a, there is an Alexa Bliss. There is the baby face Alexa Bliss trapped in there somewhere. That's really interesting. That's easy to sell. There'll be nice moments in matches where you can have the other Alexa come out and people will respond to that, I think. But yeah, I think going too far into the magic is just a way of turning people off this product. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, let's see what you've got to say about this uh, and the rest of the show in the Ultra Chats. Please do uh, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Thank you to the 1,200 people that are watching this stream and to the near 300 of you that have uh, pulled your thumb out and pressed the thumbs up button. So <laughs> do it again if you haven't already. <laughs> uh, Homestar fan said, I thought the pay-per-view was mediocre. The matches were fine, but I felt it was hard to care. Bailey Belair was good, but they hardly used the cell, which took me out of it. The 50-50 booking of Rollins and Cesaro and Owens and Zayn annoyed me as well. Bacon Rasher said, thanks for watching so we don't have to. Sounds like hell and an out of the cell to watch. Most of the match quality may have been good, but I've seen it all already. Seen it done better. Poor Fiend, Baszler, Cesaro, and the rest of the talent. L-I-W and new. Oh, we'll get to that. Uh, Eduardo says, Hey guys, do you know that everything is perfectly legal inside Helen in a kind of square box structure? Also, Drew needs to turn heel. I don't know if turning Drew heel's the answer. <laughs> Sending him to SmackDown, maybe, like for a fresh set of people to face against, I think is a much better answer. But yeah, I'd, we'll get to the Drew stuff when we get to the main event, but I don't know if turning him heel is the answer here. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I, I think maybe. I like he. I think he's in need of a refresh, and a heel is at least a good way to have some losses. Whereas, well, they seem yeah. quite obsessed with him winning. Otherwise, so. 
I have seen a few people make the suggestion um, that because he can't challenge now for the title is that he goes into Money in the Bank and he wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. And that Uh... is like a contractual loophole in him not being able to challenge for the belt anymore. But then it just means we're straight back to Drew challenging for the bell, which is not what we I want. Know. The, the, well, the benefit exactly. of this stipulation is the fact that we don't get Drew challenging for the bell. Uh, and that means they actually have to come up with something new. Uh, Gary says, do you think that the Bobby Drew stipulation, oh, here we go, actually, is leading to Drew yeah. winning money in the bank to get the title shot down the line? Sorry, Gary, I, I should have read ahead to your question, uh, your your statement there. But yeah, no, I, I think it, it possibly works. But we were just saying at the top of this show, the one benefit of the Bobby Drew match is that has put a pin in that, like unlike any of the other matches on this card, that match have actually put a pin into that feud and said, cool, we're moving on to something new. Him winning Money in the Bank takes that pin out. All of the things fall down and like it actually makes none of this pay-per-view worthwhile. <laughs> no, it also just doesn't like, like it doesn't make any sense as well to be like, you can't check. Like then, then you're just getting into contractual law and that is not fun. <laughs> That is not fun television to be like, which of these two things, which one outranks the other one? How dull. Matthew McFadden, regardless of your thoughts on the character itself, Bliss smashes it out of the park yeah. from an acting point of view. Surprised we haven't seen the fake arm injury spot. I uh, feel like it might suit the character more. Can't help but feel sorry for Bray. We actually said on the show last night, we thought she was going to do the arm break thing. Yeah, they did. Well, they did a little bit of. They played a little bit with that double jointedness, didn't they? Where she did the that that was part of the crawl, I think, and that was the bit where Baszler was bending her arm behind her back, and obviously, like, could turn it much further than usual without really hurting Bliss. But yeah, I, I thought the fate the break would have been quite cool to do, and then you could have had to like snap it back almost. Yeah. Uh, Dean Barretton that says, you forget how good Bliss is with all this spooky magic power nonsense. It's nice to see her wrestle, but still not for me in terms of character work. Surely Bliss will just use her powers on the crowd to make them cheer her. Jedi mind trick style. That's a good idea. Yeah, there it is. That's the winning idea right there. Uh, right. Try telling a wrestling crowd what to do. <laughs> I dares you. Uh, let's get into the show itself. Um, shout out to SP3 from True Heel Heat, who is in the chats with them. And I just wanted to read out this comment that, that uh, they posted up here. Uh, uh, this was a the first main roster pay-per-view in a while that had a truly deflating feeling. Wrestling usually overcomes the creative, but not this time. I think that is a really apt way to describe this show, which was that absolutely not a lot of it mattered. And the while the, the in-ring action was good, every time a match ended, I was like, eh? Hmm. I think that's the thing. WWE, like, the, we, it's so obvious now. And I think, you know, th- these comments of Vince saying that he knows the product is stale uh, coming out, like, it's become quite obvious that the wheels are just spinning on, on what's happening in WWE oh, yeah. until fans come back. And I think we all thought that very early last year going all the way through and now it is just becoming so plainly obvious that every single time we come to a pay-per-view we're just getting the same old stuff over and over again and there are only a few standout matches and stories going on in all of WWE's products and that is because clearly Roman has quite a long through line of like plot that they've come up with 
and that is maybe planned for the next six months or whatever it is and that is the only thing that is planned that far ahead and everything else just feels like yeah. what are we going to do i don't know we'll just do cesaro and seth again great that's exactly it, yeah yeah not enough man and like no and there was a lot of times on this show when we were saying like you know what is next for these these characters I and mean, you know the the plans at the moment as far as like reports are saying is that SummerSlam it's Roman versus Cena for the Blue Universal Championship and they would love to do Bobby versus uh, Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship both of which huge headlining matches like Roman Cena Bobby Brock those are two massive massive matches a much larger problem from that though is that they are both part-time stars and legends that you have brought in to try and make a card seem bigger than it, it is with the stars mm -hmm. that you have. Which means then you have spent the last 18 months of this pandemic era not building anyone. You haven't built a single star in any of this time. You've actively not made anyone feel special and important. So when fans come back, the first thing you do is pick up the phone and be like, John, can you come in? Brock, can you come in? Rock, can you come in? Edge, can you come in? Because we need some star power on the show because we don't have any at the moment. Yeah, it baffles me as well. Because it's also like, you know, things like the releases recently, we're talking about what's going to happen after Bobby Drew. The last person who was in the main event scene got released, Braun Strowman. Like the person they were building an interesting, intriguing story with on SmackDown, Alistair Black, got released. Like every, all the work they have also done, they have undone. So it's like, yeah. it, it is mind boggling what has gone on in wrestling. Because, yeah, someone like Cesaro should realistically feel like a really big main event star by now because he, you know, he's been on the rise throughout the last year and he should have somewhere to go that isn't just slotting back into a feud with seth rollins like we've done that we did yeah this is the thing as well doing all this stuff immediately after wrestlemania but we've also just had wrestlemania redux or backlash as it's known like it just feels really kind of pathetic that this is what they could come up with for the card yeah i mean we on the pre-show we had mandy rose versus natalia and it was you know perfectly fine kickoff show stuff uh natalia picked up the win they'll probably do a rematch of this on raw or you know maybe uh tamina versus the other one um to, to build to the the, ta the eventual tag match that we'll get and then they'll probably lose that one mandy rose and dana brooke that is and then we'll just do rematches like this is basically like mandy rose and dana brooke are a team that are just there to challenge for the tag titles and never win them and we'll just keep doing an ad finitum yeah, I I just don't like pre-show matches where it just like it doesn't make you excited to watch the show. And this was one of those like Mandy Rose is still still looks like she's always waiting for the next spot. Yeah. And that is oh, yeah. that is a problem because this this just felt like it was moving in slow motion at times. It was really, really crawling. And yeah, I think Natty's great, but you just want to see something done with these tag titles. And we've immediately, like we did a big change because we needed to do something with them. And then we've immediately gone back into a holding pattern. And it's so indicative of everything going on in WWE right now. But what did, okay. So really to put a massive positive on our chat here, this opening match on the main card oh, was an absolute banger. This was the it, far and away the best thing on the show, because not only did the the characters really work within the match the wrestling itself in the match was excellent the stipulation really added to the drama within the match the finish ruled and 
we kind of know where we're going with our winner. Maybe not so much for our loser, but we certainly know where we're going for our winner. Bianca Belair versus Bailey. This match, I mean, I, I know you know you and I were very much praising it during last night's stream, but you know you've had a bit of time to sleep on it now. How did you feel about this match? I really like it. I I I, I think the cell didn't come into it enough to really warrant. I think it, I think adding the cell was a good stipulation, but they didn't really utilize it more so than just like it felt just a very regular hardcore match and i think sometimes bailey's creativity like with the kendo sticks in the banks one from last year lets her down because actually like they're quite slow to set up but i like the callback with the kendo sticks they're pre-taped this time she's shouting at michael cole but yeah so, and the hair tying stuff like fun and inventive but takes a little bit too long sometimes to sort of set up and do but otherwise, I thought these two work incredibly well together. I think Bailey's character is like the best it's ever been. I think she's so mm -hmm. I think she's so good now. She's like for having struggled to ever transition from face to heel to suddenly be like so locked in as this fully formed character who's just like the perfect annoying Karen uh, of WWE. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, like yeah. Bianca Belair gets this kind of like big uh, showpiece match to be like, you know, there's so few people, there's so few women that have ever fought inside a Hell in a Cell to be one of them and be the SmackDown Women's Champion to walk out with it is a massive deal, really. Um, and it puts her in that upper echelon of women who've ever existed in WWE, I think. Um, and this year had everything going for it and had a good finish with the kind of like KOD onto the ladder. That was something I've never seen before with the ladder open as well. Oh, good yeah, stuff all I'm around. Really enjoyed that finish. It really puts Belair over strong, which we kind of we're like speculating. I, I mean, I personally think we're leading into a SummerSlam rematch with against Sasha Banks. So like that's because that, it's it was such a huge deal for WrestleMania. So like for having fans back again and putting that as like you know one of the big marquee matches of SummerSlam weekend, I think that'd be a really smart move on their part. I don't know where you go with Bailey after this one or what you do with Belair at Money in the Bank. What I hope they don't do is just Belair. Bailey three, and uh, because I don't, I don't think that's going to help anyone whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I, I do think we're heading towards Banks for SummerSlam at the very least. Yeah, I think Bailey, you Bailey, you'd probably just put in the women's women's ladder match, and that that's what mm -hmm. I would do with her for Money in the Bank. I think she'd be a really good addition. Like she's the sort of person that can hold that match together as well. Like she, you know, she she could run that show from inside the ring. Um, Bel Air, I don't, yeah, I don't know who could challenge really, like. Carmella. There's no one yeah. else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, you do Carmella. Yeah. But like, there's no one else on the SmackDown roster, is there? Like, you could do Liv Morgan, I guess, for like a week or something like that. But I, I she just lost her most recent match. So mm. it doesn't feel like she's really in that position. Maybe you just don't do a Bel Air match at Money in the Bank. Like, you just put all the focus instead on the women's ladder match. Yeah. I, I would. That's how I would do it, to be fair. I would, I would literally take that championship out of the picture for that. If, especially if you're going to do Banks returning, like, Banks returning and then potentially winning the ladder match or something like that to set up a match at SummerSlam could be a really cool way of doing it if you didn't want to yeah. then use the briefcase for the rest of the year. But Bailey with the briefcase is always fun, to be fair. So I think Bailey could pick up the briefcase here and then she's also got something to do with that. It just feels like, yeah, there's too few stars at all these kind of title picture levels to be like, I think that's the kind of question raised by this show in general is that when someone wins a match, you're like, okay, well, what next for the champion? Because there's no one else to step into the picture. Early doors, I'm putting down my money. Uh, Nikki Cross is going to win the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And she <sighs> is this, she's this year's version of Otis. 
where it's just like, I can't believe that Nikki Cross won the do and then they'll never actually have her cash in, then she'll just lose to someone else. What if it's what if it's dewdrop though? Oh, I yes. Oh, I love that even more. If Dewdrop wins it, I will I'd love that. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I'm the I mean the only person in the world who likes this storyline, but I'm in. It's me and Vince are the only people who like it. Um, okay, we had our first um, WrestleMania rematch of the night: Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's Rollins versus Cesaro. Guess what? They're really good together in ring. They had a really good in ring wrestling match. But by the end of this, Rollins wins with the small package, and this feud must continue when. This feud doesn't need to continue. Mm, it really felt like WrestleMania was the end of this, and like now, what do we now? What do we do with this as well? Because like Seth being obsessed that Cesaro wasn't on his level, and then Cesaro gets this win, and then that causes Seth to be more obsessed. Good story. That's really fun. But then, yeah, it then Seth gets this like roll up win. So is Seth now? not bothered anymore because he got the win or is he going to start provoking Cesaro or does Cesaro now care because Seth got the roll up? Like, yeah, you'd hope that they'd move on, but that doesn't feel like a satisfying conclusion, satisfying it's enough really conclusion not. to this story between these two guys. Like WrestleMania was the finish. Yeah. So exactly. that should, that, you know, you should have just not touched it from that point. But yeah, I yeah, don't know. It's, like it's not a satisfying end. I would happily watch them do that, that match. More like every other month, essentially, but it needs to be there needs to be some story going into it, or that should have been the kickoff show match. Like, kickoff show is a perfect place to have that match, like, because it, it it's just to get you excited about the wrestling, and you just see some wrestling, and you know, 90% of the time, the commentators are just talking gubbins over the top of it. Like, it's fun to well, watch, yeah. but trying to make it into this bigger thing, and like, they try to do these few poignant moments where, like, Cesaro really like tore it up on Seth for ages and then takes his glove off, puts it in his mouth and then like boots it out of the ring in this big, like symbolic gesture that just felt flat a bit, but yeah. Yeah. And like and Michael Cole screaming at the end of this, when Seth wins with a small package, he stole that picture. It's like, no, he locked in a wrestling hold and he won mm. fair and square. Like, he didn't steal anything. So that like then makes Cesaro feel really rubbish if because you've got michael cole screaming about something that's perfectly legal i really do think that this feud is just going to continue and they'll mm. do a rematch maybe you'll be on smackdown maybe they'll do a rematch at maybe they'll even do a rematch at SummerSlam. but like i feel like there is still there's no there's no story left in this tank but that is not going to stop them having another match well that's the thing it feels like the story at the end of this is you know Cesaro tries to lock in the sharpshooter and Seth won't tap and he gets out of it so he locks in an arm bar oh sorry a crossface and Seth won't tap so he goes back to the sharpshooter and Seth won't tap and rolls into this roll up so like Cesaro trying multiple things and he was like stomping the arm as well and all that kind of stuff towards the end like when when he got riled up that's when Seth took the opportunity to take the things like that's great, but that is the build to the WrestleMania match. That is not the build exactly to a rematch of the WrestleMania match of the rematch of the Hell in a Cell match. Yeah, exactly. It's not the third match in the story. Uh, we then got the Alexa Bliss, Shayna Baszler stuff that we've already spoken about. Then we got another WrestleMania rematch uh, of Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Uh, yeah, like it's not really a hell of a lot of like good story going into this felt like we had kind of put a pin in this after wrestlemania uh, and yet here we are a few months later still doing it Sami Zayn versus kevin owens but you know what it was another read like this was a really really good match but at the end of it Sami Zayn wins 
-hmm. And so, like, cool. This feud continues as well. Like, spinning plates. Oh, sorry. Spinning wheels is the best way to describe WWE at the moment. The report is that the, uh, that came out over the weekend is that Vince is aware that the product is stale and that nothing feels important at the moment. But they're just holding on. They're holding on until fans come back. So they just don't want to do anything. So they're just playing it safe by doing Rollins versus Zara because you can fill 15 minutes on a card with that. Owens versus Zayn because you can fill 15 minutes on a card with that. But with both of the heels winning in those matches, it has completely undone all of the stuff you did at WrestleMania and in the months afterwards. And now we're just back to square one again. So we are just perpetually going nowhere and that is incredibly frustrating as a wrestling fan to watch a product that is actively not trying well yeah and it just didn't feel like there were any particular stakes in this like this this felt like it should have been really hyped up as like whoever wins this goes after apollo cruz right like that that should have been the big thing and it's like here you can see a way in which they could really finagle either guy to go after apollo because zane goes i beat owens Owens goes, I took the Nigerian nail and that ruined my match with Sammy, so I'm after you, Apollo. And then they're just inevitably going to do a triple threat, aren't they? And so we're just seeing Owens and Zayn in the same match again. It's a shame because actually, like like I said earlier, this is like the this is the sweatpants of wrestling matches. It's so good and so comfy to watch and so like you're like, ah, oh, this is this is the height of the art form. Like these two guys have amazing chemistry. They work together so well. They make it look bloody effortless. And then they do something like that. You know, Sami Zayn does his dive to the outside, hits Owens in the shoulder, and Owens sells it like it's a shoot injury. Better oh, yeah. than I think I've ever seen anyone sell a sort of bump on the shoulder because he like runs over to the timekeepers and he's like looking almost for a medic and he goes and talks to the referee quite privately. And like, I'm sure he probably also was you know genuinely hurt there but it felt like a moment in the match and then it became the focus for sammy as well for like a lot of the rest of the match so they were doing this kind of like dual throat-based offense as we were calling it last night and then shoulder-based offense i yeah i just think these two guys are fantastic and it's a shame that neither of them ever seem to now just reach they're just capped at a point where they're not champions but they are just constantly featured and it's like now is the time with either of them to just put a belt on them and do something with them because you keep featuring them because you like them. So do something, make something yeah, of the, them. The Owens sell was, um, like we all bought it, totally mm. bought it, hook, line, and sphincter that that was a legit injury. Like we were totally like, uh oh, oh man, that's, and they showed the replay again and, and it doesn't say, and he catches him like right in the shoulder. And it was like a, a proper, oh man, that sucks for them because like, you know, he's on a bit of, he's trying to get some momentum going here. This is going to, and just completely got worked by it. And I absolutely mm. loved that. And it, I think it, it added a lot to the match because he already went in with the throat injury from the, the Nigerian, the Nigerian spike and the Nigerian nail. Mm-hmm. So he, like, you know, he was coughing. The iguana dumb thumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, press the thumbs up while you're here as well. Give, pull it give out, this video, press it. <laughs> pull it out and give this video a Nigerian nail. Um, and, like, it was, I just, I loved how those two things came together, particularly as it built into the finish, because it was into the arm, into the ropes against the throat, so you could do the halluva kick. So much of this is good, but it's not the third match in this feud a few that mm. ended at WrestleMania. And so we're back to that whole thing of just, yep, we're just spinning wheels and we're not actually going anywhere. We are just going around in circles and we're waiting until fans come back. So again, 
yeah, great selling, great in-ring action, great fire from the guys, but pff, none of it really matters. Yeah, I think that's the, th- and I think that's probably a, like a particular problem with SmackDown at the moment as well, is because it, Roman is not going anywhere as the Universal Champion, and now they, it feels like they've set Apollo up to be so dominant with Commander Aziz as well that he's not going anywhere. So it just leaves the rest of the card in these weird feuds that just go round and round in circles because they haven't worked out the ends of blood feuds. They're just being like, okay, and that feud ends, and then now what do we do? Oh, well, we've got these four people, so we'll just do the other combination or we'll just do them again, I guess. We'll do them again, yeah. whatever. Like, Yeah, it, it, it's a real shame. Um, we got a recap of the Roman versus Ray match that happened at um, on SmackDown, and then we got Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. Oh, man, I feel like I am. Uh, I'm a broken record here. This was really good in ring wrestling. This was really good character work. Maybe not from Rhea really, but it was really good character work from Charlotte Flair. They had a lot of fire. Bloody, bloody, blah, bloody, blah, blah, blah. The finish absolutely sucked. The finish to this match absolutely sucked. If you haven't seen it, it was really building to this great crescendo, right? Because you had Rhea Ripley hit the riptide, but she was too close to the ropes. So Charlotte, the veteran, was able to get to the ropes. And then Charlotte locks in the figure four. But Rhea Ripley, the uh, everlasting baby face, the never give up attitude, wouldn't tap out to it. And then they brawled to the outside. And Rhea Ripley grabbed the top of the announcer's desk, that plastic bit on the announcer's desk. You know, the one that Randy Orton keeps dropping people on. Mm-hmm. And she sort of like lifted it up and it felt seemingly fell out of her hands and hit Charlotte in the face. And the referee went, now ah, DQ. Yeah. That was it. it. And so Charlotte Charlotte won by DQ and Rhea Ripley retained her championship and then celebrated like she won. This sucked massively. Yeah, I this was just baffling booking like this this is this is wwe tying itself in knots about who needs to look strong and when if you can't work it out don't book the bloody match is what i say like if you cannot fathom how to make charlotte look strong and Rhea not lose a championship don't do the match don't book it because it's not worth it because like it just goes to show like i think most people are so pissed off at the finish that they've forgotten how good the wrestling was like in no way is this i think as we've said about all these other wrestlemania rematches they were all missing that dimension that wrestlemania missed and this is obviously a wrestlemania rematch from last year and it is missing that extra dimension of Rhea's character was at the strongest it's ever been last year when this match happened like Rhea was the nxt champion charlotte went down like a douchebag and was like i'm so good i'm gonna win this belt again ha 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 um and then uh, sorry, I'm going to win it for the first time. And then Rhea, yeah, Rhea says, uh, Rhea, Rhea's the babyface, just won't give up and he's going to fight this veteran. Here, it just felt like Charlotte was schooling Rhea, who was not quite babyface enough to really pull off that kind of dynamic. Charlotte was the same sort of character that she was last year and it just wasn't gelling quite as well. They've got chemistry, they've got brilliant chemistry and I think they do wonderful stuff in the ring together But and I think Charlotte's character is fantastic but yeah, Rhea was just missing that little bit to make it really sing and then you get to the end and what did it do for either woman, The that finish? What, do, what, does, what does that DQ do? Because that makes Rhea look like a chump for doing something stupid when she's like 
she reversed the she reversed the polarity on the figure four. She rolled over to get out of it. So Charlotte was locked in the other way. She then rolls out of the ring and hits her with the thing, gets DQ'd, and it's like has a five minute conversation with the referee where he's like, "Oh, you got DQ'd." Then he then she takes Charlotte back into the ring and hits all of her moves to end the match. Like she goes back in and does the Riptide like clean, basically, mm-hmm. and. Charlotte also just doesn't look like she can really pull anything off because she couldn't make this. She was schooling Rhea for a lot of the match, so she, and she couldn't pull it off. She couldn't win. So who comes out looking strong here? Nobody. Yeah, this did no favors for anyone. And then and that's the only fans, reason you do that finish. It's the only reason you do the finish is to try and make people look strong, and it doesn't work. Exactly. So just let Rhea win for God's sake. And because we get DQs on TV all the time. Getting a DQ on a pay-per-view as well just feels ec- like an extra level of just like, ah, oh, F you guys. Like, stop. Like, this oh is a complete was wasting our time. Because this match went like 14 minutes or whatever it was. And if you're just going to do this DQ finish, it may as well have gone 90 seconds. You didn't need mm. to do 14 minutes of this. And I credit to Ripley and Flair. Because... They like someone like a Scott Hall or a Kevin Nash or a Hogan. If they'd have found out, like, oh, you're gonna go out there and do 15 minutes and then it's gonna end in a DQ finish with this, they'd have probably gone, like, I ain't giving you a hundred percent, like, you are getting 20 yeah. percent at best out of me. But these went out there and they still gave it a hundred percent. So, absolutely credit to them. They work everyone on this card worked their asses off. The booking was against them, they all worked their asses off to try and make it work. But this was a frustrating experience as a fan because, yeah, because like, cool, I it's a rematch. It was, you know, we basically had this match at WrestleMania Backlash. We got it here. DQ finished. That means we're just going to get a bunch more crap of this on Raw and we're just going to get another match of it again down the line. Mm. So once again, nothing is moving forwards. But also it's insulting, that finish, because do you think we're frigging stupid? Do you think we've not watched wrestling before? Uh, yeah. We've all... We've all signed up to watch this bloody pay-per-view. We've paid to watch this. So like, you would think we might have watched Raw or SmackDown leading into it and have seen wrestling. So we've seen people be hit with that bit of the bloody table over and over again and not get a DQ. So why is it suddenly, like, you know, what we're saying is spooky stuff has to have rules. Regular wrestling has to have rules and they have to be consistent because otherwise you can't bloody monitor what's going on, can yeah. you? Like, it just makes you feel stupid for investing 14 minutes to get have a finish that you're like that doesn't even make sense like and yeah, you must know yeah. booking that match that that doesn't make any sense like it doesn't make it didn't make sense from a character perspective it doesn't make sense from a reality of wrestling perspective it's stupid yeah this finish absolutely sucked and like i think this really on a show as well that already had the aura of like none of this really matters man this took the wind out of sails and i think that actually really hurt the start of the main event of Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship inside Hell in a Cell because they're now working against this sort of like negative perception that people have got about this show. And credit to them. Holy, <laughs> holy hell. They, these two went hell for bloody leather and battered the absolute piss out of each other. There was welts all over them. There was going through tables. They were going through this. They were going through that. They were hitting each other with all sorts of plunder. I absolutely loved this match so much. And then it had a finish that absolutely sucked. And I and it once again just pu- burst that balloon and everyone just gets deflated once again. And I it totally, totally warped a lot of people's perception of this show. I think this is, yeah, this is maybe 
reading too much into it, but it feels like WWE's approach to a lot of the pandemic booking has been, you get 15 minutes, go out there and do your match for 15 minutes. Just, you know, hey, Daniel Bryan, hey, whoever, go do your match for 15 minutes. And then we will tell you what the last 30 seconds is. And that is what that is like what happens. And it just like there is this actual clunk as the WWE airlifts the finish in to this like brilliant <laughs> yeah. bit of stuff. So boom, there you go. A load of bollocks. And yeah, this was this was it. Because even even the sort of stuff that felt like very rote in this kind of Lashley Drew stuff where like MVP does get involved. Ha ha ha, look, he's got inside the cage, he gets involved, had a really brilliant twist on it because he gets in, he pulls the referee off. And you have that moment where it's like, ah, ha, ha, yeah, okay, so MVP's got involved. And then they lock him in the cage. And you have yeah. this brilliant stare down where Drew's like, ha, ha, gets out of the ring and like gets right in MVP's face. Fantastic stuff. But the problem is because you know that WWE, you can hear the chopper coming in. Here comes the finish. You know that WWE are going to do something absolutely crap with MVP right at the finish of this match. And so you're just sitting there like tensed for that moment where you're like, and this is going to fall apart, isn't it? This is going to this is going to disappoint me. And again, like in the Charlotte Rhea match, what does this do for either man? Like, oh yeah, what does this do for Bobby? Like, if Bobby is going to go on to face Brock Lesnar, if that is your plan, Brock Lesnar is going to be returning as Brock Lesnar. He's the bloody beast, right? Like, Bobby should be looking as strong as possible because then you've got a clash of the titans, not a clash of the sneak and one titan. Yeah. Drew losing out on the ability to challenge for the title on what is essentially the cheapest of cheap wins. This should have felt like, you know, we were talking about this beforehand, before we we came on, like, should have just, I don't know, if nothing matters, smash the Hurt Business back together. Who gives a crap? Like, just have Shelton and Cedric come out and beat the hell out of Drew in the cage, and then Bobby locks in the Hurt Lock, Drew passes out, Bobby retains. At least then Drew has some reason to be like, man, I'm livid about this. Being livid over the fact that MVP grabbed your leg and you got rolled up doesn't feel, it doesn't, it just doesn't feel cool or like, no, interesting really... to it feels babyish to be complaining about it. As, like if Drew comes out and it's like, oh man, he cheated me out of that. It's like, well, you, I mean, he did also put a pin in, you could have kicked out. Yeah, well, it's yeah, because the finish of this match, if you haven't seen the if you haven't seen the show, so the finish is that through there's a ref bump, and because there's a ref bump, a new ref has to come in, and because a new ref comes in, MVP also gets in. So Drew hits the Claymore, and the referee gets pulled out by MVP. They do some stuff, MVP gets locked in, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Drew gets like two visual pins in all of this, I think, and then uh, Drew gets distracted by MVP again when MVP grabs his leg, and he's just like shouting at uh, but MVP, and he's like, no, you, you get out of here, what are you doing, you? And then Bobby rolls him up and gets the pin. His back was to Bobby Lashley, Bobby's Lashley's move is attacking someone from the back. Just lock in the hurt lock. Because at mm. least then you could have put Bobby over. You could have put Bobby over strong and made him tap out Drew McIntyre and made him pass out again. If Especially, as you say, you're trying to build him up for a big marquee match against him. You can't just put the names up on there. This made Bobby, who has been so protected, and he is the almighty. A guy they have pushed is like, no one can stop him. He is an unstoppable force in this ring. Where, like, no one can take him on. And here he is, completely out of character, rolling him up to get a cheap win, hooking the tights as well to get a cheap mm. victory while MVP interferes on his behalf. This did 
It was so bad for all involved. It made Drew look crap, made no sense for Bobby, undermines the cell, and is a terrible way to end the pay-per-view. This was a failure on many, many levels. And do you know what? Like, that was the thing. I think we were all sitting there being like, well, if they've done that finish for that cheapness, there must be something coming to because to, you can't leave that sour taste in people's mouths to close the show. And it turns out that's just what they wanted to do. They were just like, aha, F you, your time doesn't matter. Yeah. We're not even well, going to we give all... you, we're not even going to do, we're not even going to give you the courtesy of just doing this. Like, it's still a distraction finish if the hurt lock goes in. Like you said, it's like, we're not even going to give you the courtesy of doing the cool move. We're just going to do a bloody roll up. We've already had a roll up on this show. I know. Just do, like, yeah, I agree completely that, like, it's WWE, just, it doesn't help anyone. And it's that same thing of, like, they're, tying themselves into these pretzels trying to keep everyone looking strong and actually managing to keep no one looking strong so just let bobby win it doesn't matter like let bobby win it doesn't hurt drew can go some drew isn't going to challenge for the title anyway so what does it matter like what are you going to do with what are you going to do with drew now anyway so if drew's not challenging for the title whether he lost or not makes no effing difference because he's not going to be in the main event picture he's just going to go if he goes down a division he's still the strongest guy in that division because he's gone down a division he's a heavyweight who's gone down to the mid card like (laughs) we we were we were wondering like because the roman match got taken off the show i I moved to uh smackdown on fox we were all like well there must be a reason for this and you know roman's whole deal is that he's the main event of the show and he like apparently that's not just a kayfabe thing that's also a real life thing him and Heyman want to be the main event of the show so maybe they had something big planned so we were all speculating like well maybe they've got something big planned that's why they took it off but i really do think it is just the case that fox were unhappy that we were promoting a match through Fox's programs mm. to then be shown onto NBC streaming servers. And they were like, that ain't happening. Put that on our show. We need the ratings bump. And it worked because, you know, they got over 2 million viewers for the first time in ages. But it also meant then that Helena Cell was lacking something. I just saw someone in the comments there said, this, this pay-per-view was missing Roman. And his, mm. pres- his lack of presence on the show was really evident by the fact that a lot of this felt thrown together at the last minute and absolutely very little of it was actually consequential. Well, it's just, it baffles me again. Like we said at the top, like they moved head of the cell to put it here to do it yeah. now. And they had nothing like even the Roman Ray match doesn't feel like it warranted head in the cell. Really? Like it's cool to see Ray and head in the cell match. And it was, a, it's a good match, but like it didn't warrant it. It wasn't like the moment to do it. Um, so yeah, what, why move it to now to, to then do it. And yeah, WWE also has all these competing interests to balance now of like what goes on what show. And it's messing with their products. It's like they need to get their house in order in order to put on good pay-per-views. If pay-per-views is the business model, if pay-per-views aren't the business model, stop telling us that they are. Stop making us like stay up late to watch them because I'll happily not watch them if they're going to be a waste of my time. Um, It was an hour later than it usually was as well. This show didn't finish until like 4 a.m., yeah, and I just think, like, to go back to Drew and Lashley, like, I really don't think that Lashley versus Brock needs the belt, mm-hmm. realistically. Yeah, like, Brock coming back and just being like, I want Lashley, that's fine. Put the belt on Drew, and then Drew, you've got another match to do at your big SummerSlam thing. I think, like, Brock returning to WWE is a big enough event to be high up on a card and be this real showcase. Like, ultimately, Roman Reigns is going to main event anyway, isn't he? So... 
what does it matter? Like you, you can have two things then rather than this one thing that you've also now ruined by doing this stupid finish. Uh, so yeah, so overall, I didn't really know what to score this show. I really didn't because yeah, the in-ring wrestling was good, but absolutely none of it mattered. So I guess if you were to put a gun to my head and be like, give it a score, I'd have probably gone like, two out of five, I guess. Like it was a, a show. So I yeah, two out of five, I don't know. What do you think? I think two out of five is fair. I think I think yeah. this is the thing is that it, we were talking about this last night, and it just goes to show that just having good wrestling on a on a show isn't good enough. Uh, when you're also selling a product that is, you know, when when you say that you're in the business of telling stories, you know, do a story then. Come on, wow yeah. me with a story because yeah, if you can't think of anything to do, if you can't think of it like your this is your job, like. If you can't think of something better than a roll-up to close your pay-per-view, oh, who? why are you getting paid? Yeah, uh, we put this up on our community tab, and 43% also thought it was a 2 out of 5 show. 31%, though, did give it 3 out of 5 thumbs in the middle, with 16% saying it was a 1 out of 5 show. I don't think you'd say this was a 1 out of 5 show. I think that's slightly harsh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think you know the vast majority of people saying that it was a 2 or 3 out of 5 show, I think, is pretty fair. Um, I, let's just go. Harsh, there you go sorry. It's just, it's just, I think it is just harsh because it is, yeah, it, these finishes do really affect your view of the whole match. And that's the problem because you're just sitting there going like, well, why I have wasted my time now? Why did I, why did I care? And I think that works on one match on a card if you're going to do it and it's going to be like something shocking and horrible and like make you go, Oh, you know, like WWE loves a main event finish that stinks up the place and has people really up in arms. But this had multiple matches where it's just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, let's get into the last of your ultra chats. Please do get them in using the link in the video description down below. Ding, ding, ding. This is the last call for them. Also, do pull your thumb out and give us a thumbs up and subscribe to this channel <clears throat> if you haven't already. Excuse me. X Machina says, rather than Drew winning money in the bank, maybe he just takes out Lashley on behalf of the contract holder and call them down to cash in like Lashley did to him at Elimination Chamber. That would be quite, you know, at least that's a, a nice bit of poetic justice uh, for Lashley. That's that's quite nice, actually. I don't, I don't mind that. Yeah, I think that would be a nice sort of, like, round part of the story. But then you would assume... Because then I guess you could also do that, yeah, Drew wants Lashley to lose because then Drew can challenge for the belt again. So this is a yeah. way to con Lashley out of the title. But then are we going to really do another another con job finish? Just put someone over, for God's sake. Put someone over. Uh, Charles Berg, all I know is they broke me. Do you think Vince McMahon of old would be like who he is now? Or do you think you would try and kill his future self? Regardless, Laurie versus Pete had more build than all of yesterday's card. I know what the chat needs. A staring contest. Um, yeah, like it was... I, I think... If Vince knew the situation he was in, I think he would probably do the exact same thing. Because it is just waiting for the fans to come back. Um, Cliff Beard says Rhea at the end of the match literally yelled to Charlotte I did what you would do and Charlotte told her you're learning so are they telling the story that Rhea is going to eventually become the second Charlotte Flair but like it didn't feel like a DQ no I think that's the yeah like Rhea should have just 
hit it like even just hitting her with something harder like something it's just that moment was just like yeah that's that's not a dq that's the problem with it it doesn't feel like a dq because it's not in 90 percent of other matches so <laughs> just pick up a chair hit her with a chair uh, yeah Wilson Simon said, Jay is winning money in the bank. I think Cesaro should move to Raw and beat Bobby for the title. Then we get Drew versus Cesaro, which is fresh, and they'd have great matches. Jay, a few people got Jay. I mean, one of the interesting things I suppose you could say about money in the bank this year is that a lot of people have got a lot of names that they would like to see win. Because I've seen some people saying, you know, the Booker T, oh, sorry, Booker T, sorry, Big E could get the win. People saying Kofi could get the win. You know, Wilson was just saying that Jay, we were talking about Drew, someone like, you know, helping, like Drew helping someone cash in. See, there's a lot of like potential names out there. Jay, I think Jay is a really great shout because that is so fun. Like the idea that, Jay suddenly has leverage on Roman and then mm -hmm. Roman who has been bossy the whole time and like really keeping his cousins down has to suddenly like bow before them because otherwise it's like the end of every match he thinks like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's really uh, I think that's genius Homer Star fan that said who do you think is next for Roman at Money in the Bank because I have no idea my only thought is Jimmy but I don't know if they want to rush that story yet perhaps like Bel Air you, like we were saying earlier with Belair, you just don't do a Roman match on that card. Like you really do hype up the two ladder matches and make the ladder matches the focal point of the show. Really, I mean, you could do Roman Ray again, or maybe even Ray, uh, Roman Dominic. Just, you know, if you want to kind of like elongate that out a little bit more. But like you don't need to have you don't need him to have a big match because his big match is coming at SummerSlam when he's facing John Cena. He, what he basically just needs is a small stepping stone. I really think we're not going to get uh, the Universal title, the WWE Championship at Money in the Bank. I think they're, they're having the ladder matches stand as those kind of like, these are the main events. And then we haven't seen the US title, the Intercontinental Championship at this show. So we'll have those as well. And then we'll probably have some tag belts and that will be our like event. Or they'll just do like a bunch of rematches from this show that don't go <laughs> yeah. anywhere. But I, yeah, I, I think keeping the titles off and saving it for SummerSlam makes the most sense at this point. Hannah Allen said, I won't lie, I was behind LIW and Pete, but it genuinely hurt seeing Laurie lose the championship that way. Uh, can I just say thank you, Luke and Laurie? You two are very special people, and I love you both for just being yourselves. You are amazing. Lots of love. Jam that gem, LIW, foot, foot, for life. Well, I mean, nice thank you so much. You ruined it at the end. <laughs> Yeah, Hannah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, quickly, you did lose the championship last night. Uh, the longest reigning gem, that champion, uh, a record setting uh, with the most title defenses as well. And you lost it on a DQ. I'm not, yeah, well, <laughs> that's why I'm extra salty about that moment in time. WWE, that will oh. go down in infamy as my least favorite <laughs> WWE thing ever. Um, and Zachary says championship shouldn't change hands on a DQ. A shoddy one at that. Fagder is still the longest reigning champ. Uh, Quillen Quillenenem. That's really hard to say. What we're trying to say look like Eminem. Uh, one in the most ridiculous technicality for awesome for life. Just as for Fagador, peanuts on the up. Sully for life. Peanuts reactions, on reactions, please. On peanuts up. on the up. Peanuts on the up. Yeah, like it was. I mean, in fairness. Pete's prediction was that Charlotte was going to win the match. And the record books show that Charlotte Flair won that match. It was just via DQ. Nobody won that match. Not us, <laughs> not oh, them, no. nobody. Nope.
Absolutely nobody did. That uh, is our last Ultra Chat. That is all we've got time for on this edition of the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. All 1,800 of you uh, watching this APU live reaction. Uh, 600 of you, though, however, have pulled your thumb out and pressed it on the thumbs up button. So why don't we all do that now? Eh? Just give that a little thumbs up because it really helps out this channel. And we massively, massively appreciate it. Please do subscribe if you haven't already to this channel. We love every single one of you. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Mr. Davis, Ollie Davis, that is, reviewing Raw. The Intangibles will be here on Wednesday reviewing NXT. We, there's no AEW review again because it's still not on Wednesday nights. Oh, I can't wait for it to come back. Uh, and on Fridays, it will be the magazine show with myself and Denise Salcedo. On Saturday, it will be the SmackDown review with the Intangibles. But until then, I have been Luke Owen. This has been your former Jam That Champion, Laurie Blake. Jam That Jam, everyone. Jam that chips. <laughs> <laughs>Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.